Welcome to another edition of the Aaron Rodgers podcast. I- I'm sorry, the Full Contact oh. Podcast. Go Chargers. Uh, you have myself, Sheree Phillips-Keaton, along with me, as always, Nick Sapina, and not as always, Brian Clegg. We're all here. Uh, but first, before I tell y'all how I feel, Brian, how are you feeling, man? It's good to have you around on a more regular basis. feel good. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have an angry return to the show tonight. <sighs> We're counting on it. Trust me. <laughs> we need some of that energy. Just a, Better just execution. A, just a quick look of, of our of our hit list right now. I'm I'm already feeling the vein in my head. I can see it. Good. Like I'm actually. Oh, it's bad lighting. So Brian, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at you right now, and I need everybody <laughs> to like understand what I'm seeing because we're on Zoom. Also, as we do this, I have Sharif on the big picture. Mm-hmm. Like he's the, my main screen so i only see like a very very tiny picture of brian <laughs> but i can see that forehead vein coming through loud and clear that's, so it's definitely going to be a that's good a weird episode. way of saying i got a new haircut <laughs> <laughs> it looks nice uh, but we're definitely hoping we get angry brian today you know it adds some spiciness to our salt and pepper lives nick how you feeling tonight oh sharif i'm doing pretty well um just to give everybody a little bit of a life update. I mean, I don't know uh, if I'm supposed to say anything, but I actually finally, finally, finally accepted a job within the physical therapy yes. field. So I'm very happy yes. to, you know, finally start Good execution. That career. That's, that's, better, yeah. that's better execution. <laughs> that was some better execution. Hell yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can bring some of that uh, medical expertise to the podcast and, you know, a little bit of a Stefania Bell kind of role, if you will. Interesting take. <laughs> yeah, we definitely appreciate the uh, free medical advice, which hopefully won't be free for too much longer, but at least for the show, it will always be free. Speaking of free, we will be giving you some free content, you freeloaders. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we got our usual quick hitters that we headlined by Nick and may generate a small rant in me. Don't know Hell yet. Yeah. Let's we'll get to the topic and see what happens. We'll cover uh, some of the main points or some of our main takeaways from the past draft. There was definitely some surprising picks and some stuff that was pretty much written in stone, like you know Trevor Lawrence going to the shocker. Jags. But we'll give our reactions for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Shocker. Then we're gonna get into air. We're gonna get into Brian's favorite topic of all time, more than Tom Brady is Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see if that vein actually bursts <laughs> in his head and then we actually have to, you know, call help for Brian to get <laughs> well, to the right. We got Nick, right? Then We got Nick. For... Treat my... oh, the either. hemorrhage that's about to be in my head. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I'm like 25 miles away. <laughs> We're closer than Sharif is. Speaking of Brian, definitely a lot closer. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Brian, Brian will uh, go into his uh, hockey uh, rant, if you will, about it uh, looks like a major screw up. I have no idea what it's about, but Brian will give us the update on it and then we'll end it off with giving our grade of the Philadelphia Eagles draft class of 2021. I thought it was pretty good, but we'll see what all of us say. But before we get into all of that, Nick, can you please... Please, please start us off with some quick hitters. Shreve, I would be delighted to do that. So, 
The NFL reminded teams that they are not obligated to pay players who suffer injuries away from team uh, facilities, kind of in the wake of the Juwan James uh, Achilles rupture. So that is kind of uh, becoming a, a hot debate in the NFL landscape. And speaking of the NFL, everybody's favorite uh, posing quarterback, Tim Tebow, or should I say former quarterback, worked out with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but not as a quarterback, as a tight end. So uh, that's kind of something interesting. And lastly, the NFL is going to air Thursday night football package exclusively on Amazon in 2022, uh, which is one year earlier than it was originally planned. So if you want to watch NFL on Thursday night, might have to pony up for <laughs> a little bit of an Amazon package. You know, as if we're not paying for enough stuff in this world, we got to pay just to watch football. One game on one night is is just absurd. But I wanted to, before we get into our actual topics, I did want to talk about the Tim Tebow thing because apparently a lot of former players and the guys I could think of right at the top of my head are like Shannon Sharp and Ryan Clark. I mean, without trying to like, I guess, bag on one of their former athletes in their league. I think they hate this. Like the fact that people care, like Tim Tebow is just like, yeah, I could do, you know, football. And then, you know, I want to go as a quarterback, but I only get like six games and no one really wants me. Then, you know what? I'm going to go play baseball. That doesn't work. You know what? I'm going to come back to the NFL and just pick up a different position. So, I mean, it's actually incredible because like, Guys are asked to change their positions just to get in the league, even if they haven't had a chance to prove it. Tebow, it just seems like he's just grabbing more attention at this point. Yeah, you know, I'm not positive. Like One thing that was kind of underrated about Tim Tebow, or maybe it wasn't underrated at the time, but he was a really good athlete. And I feel like that was, uh, you know, basically his calling card. You know, that's why he was able to go play baseball in the in the minor league system and why he had success doing that. I don't necessarily hold this against him. I don't think that it's an attention thing, but I also don't think that he's going to be competitive enough trying out for the Jaguars to, like, secure a roster spot. You know, I feel like this is just what Tebow does at this point. It's almost like he's bored. He's like, you know what? I've got the tools here. You know, I'm, I'm still fairly athletic. Let's just wing it. And I feel like that's just kind of what he's done for his sports career. Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to talk? Brian, yeah, of course I got some thoughts. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, it's funny to me. It's funny to me that somebody like Shannon Sharp or anybody like that is a little upset because I feel like they're big advocates. Like this isn't directly related to that, but they're big advocates for people who are like, they're like, y'all, you're an athlete. You got to go get the money. You got to go get your money. But like, why are they disper? Now, why are they discouraging him from trying to do that? Maybe he's not getting enough money from doing the ESPN gig. Maybe he wants to try to give football another another shot. Why not do that? I don't understand. I don't understand what the problem is. Like, if he's good enough to play tight end, he'll be he'll be playing tight end. If he's not, then he'll get cut. It is what it is. I I have no problem with him trying to further his career. I think what the gripe is, and I agree with it, is that, okay, so, like, for example, and I'm just throwing out random players, like, when, I mean, it's just the first guy that comes in my head, so don't judge me, but, like, when Toro Pryor came into the league, he didn't even, well, he did get to be rostered as a quarterback, 
but he never really got the chance to play. They were like, yeah, you basically have to convert to wide receiver if you want to stay. And in like someone like Terrell Pryor accepted it and actually became a good wide receiver or at least, you know, good enough to get a thousand yards. But it was like, I think when players look at Tim Tebow, he turned that down because while he was in the league and you could say at the height of his athletic prowess, he was asked to play, you know, like uh, H-back or, you know, running back or like a little bit of tight end. And he refused. He either said he basically is a quarterback or he's just leaving to go play baseball, which, like I said, I agree is well within your right to do so. But like how many players would just get to be like, yeah, it didn't work out for me at this position. I'm going to come back five to seven years after I've done, I finished playing to just say, yeah, I'm going to try out a tight end and then actually get that tryout. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a pretty privileged thing to get because most guys you can't just be like oh I want to try out and you're granted the tryout you know what I mean like it's kind of just because like Urban Meyer is the head coach he's even probably getting this chance because you can't just I know people devalue positions like running back tight end like anyone can do it not anyone can just go and pick up those positions like you got to have some type of requisite skills and not to say Tim Tebow doesn't but it's like if you did why not just do that back when you had like Nick said, you were an elite athlete and do it when you had the chance instead of just, oh, it's so beneath me, I'm gonna not do it. And now that I don't have a choice, let me do it. It just I, I guess I can see why they're upset with that. Well, yeah, I do understand where it is kind of coming from a place of privilege, but um something I just wanna kind of say, and it's not really, you know, refuting that, but Urban Meyer has already kind of said some weird things about his draft strategy and you know, how he's approaching uh, scouting. And it's basically like he wants to get as many five-star recruits as he possibly can. And I mean, he's probably looking at Tim Tebow and like, Ooh, this guy was a former first round pick, you know, and he's probably just willing to give him that shot. I'm not saying that it's right, but Urban Meyer already has a little bit of a, a weird scouting kind of thing going on. Brian, anything else? I mean, I still stand where I where I am. I mean, I'm okay with it coming back, but if he if he's good enough to play, then he will play, and I trust the system will work itself out. You know, maybe he is, maybe he is the next great tight end, but it won't be for that long because he's got. Is he over thirty now? He's thirty three. I feel so, <laughs> and he hasn't played. I feel so old. <laughs> And he hasn't played in the NFL since 2012. Like, it's been um, nine years. It'll be nine years. Has it been that long? I keep I keep yeah. forgetting. You know what? That summer he spent with the Eagles seems like an eternity. <laughs> it's still really bad. I think the Eagles were the last team that he was like. I, I really on. wish I, I, I think. 2015. I really wish I had gotten a Tim yeah. Tebow jersey when he was on the Eagles. That would have been great. No. <laughs> what do you mean, though? No? It's no, like a commodity. Good. No, you're good. It's I like mean, a commodity. It's like. I mean, I, I guess. I guess. Yeah, but so. it's a commodity <laughs> that's worth like three and a half dollars. Maybe less. It, honestly, the way I buy a jersey, it'd probably be worth. It'd probably be a surplus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, why don't you tell us your gripe with the NHL? Yeah, if you, that's yeah, if you guys mind. are all good with the, the quick hitters. Excellent segment, guys, by the way. 
thank you. So, um, my day was going pretty well today. Uh, until about I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It already started off. <laughs> so it it really started it really started I think Monday. Today's Thursday. So it probably started Tuesday actually. So um my days are a little mixed up right now. But the Capitals, the Wash the Washington Capitals are playing the New York Rangers in Madison Square Garden, right around the corner from you, Sharif. And well, kind of. <laughs> and um, I mean, you know, if right around the corner is like a 30 minute think, train. Ride, I, think, yeah, of, sure. I yeah. think of New York City as just gigantic barf of cities and, and buildings and stuff like that. So it is what it is. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> That's actually a very good description. Yeah. Good job. Yo, you must live in New York and I don't. Like. <laughs> so there's a game and uh there's a certain dirtbag who goes by the name of Tom Wilson on the Washington Capitals. <laughs> and he definitely a dirtbag. And there's a, there's a skirmish, there's a skirmish, skirmish, uh, whatever skirmish, skirmish, sorry, skirmish. And, uh, there's a skirmish <laughs> in the middle, in the front of the net as usual. Cause it's hockey. It happens. That's what happens. And whilst this New York Ranger player named Bushnevich, is laying on the ground, face down on the ground. Uh, Dirtbag Tom Wilson punches him in the back of the head, uh, instigates a gigantic fight, and in and you know uh, the NHL comes out. They they have all the time in the world to review what happened, and they find him five thousand oh. dollars. All right, and we're all and all everybody in this hockey community is like, hey, like. There needs to be a more severe thing. He literally sucker punched that guy in the back of the head while he was face down on the ground. So, right then, uh, Tuesday night, the Rangers Twitter comes out and puts out a gigantic statement condemning the NHL for what they did, uh, basically saying that this ruling was complete garbage, which it is, and then... um. And then I guess they find out whoever did it. They, the Rangers ownership fires the president, fires the general manager, and puts a former player named Chris Drury in charge of it. He's not a huge part of this, but it still sucks that he got roped into this like this. And then right. uh, today, <laughs> at around 2 o'clock, the NHL finds the New York Rangers Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that statement, <laughs> and so now, just to put it in perspective, Tom Wilson's fine. You would have to pay Tom Wilson's fine fifty times over to match what the NHL pit charged the New York Rangers for putting out a very legitimate statement, <laughs> and so. And Man. so now the NH the NHL has been notorious for being a very lackluster organization in terms of suspending people with at least consistency, let alone at the appropriate rate. So now everybody is just tearing up the NHL. And I am actually very upset. It's it's come from a long time that the commissioner of the league has just been absolutely just 
bass backwards about everything, just everything. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it, it's like a culmination of things that have led to uh, ignoring a need for a team to be in another Canadian team being in the NHL, which has right. been long needed uh, because that's where your market is. And instead he puts it, he drops a team in the middle of Vegas he rigs the rules of the expansion expansion draft for Vegas to be at least competitive. So it doesn't look like he's an idiot decision maker. And right. And now you get all this mess that just it, it's, it's all becoming just it's, it seems to be unraveling for the NHL. And unfortunately for, uh, um, you know, a league that doesn't have a, a huge market, it seems like it's just, tripping over its own feet at this point. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like an egregious decision because obviously player safety should be at the forefront of a league's, uh, you know, attention, Mm -hmm. you know, like the players are your product and what they put out there. So you kind of have to make sure that you're protecting them and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tom Wilson, I mean, you kind of alluded to it in how you introduced him. He's a repeat offender. Absolutely. Like, this is not a first-time thing. So there should be harsher consequences for somebody who's been, you know, continuously doing this and has built up a reputation around the NHL. Um, you know, you think about other guys, and maybe uh, this isn't necessarily the right comparison because he hasn't always been punished in the way that he probably should have been. But Jadavion Clowney against the Eagles. Like, I, I think back to that where you know we were in the playoffs against the Seahawks and Jadeveon Clowney took out Carson Wentz and like <laughs> we were done exactly we were and we had exactly. no chance and uh you know it's just there's not a place in professional sports for that and it needs to be punished yeah. as such so then you get instances that what happened last night with the they met again <laughs> on Wednesday night and there was a line fight you know, uh, Bushnevich came back that night and cross-checked somebody else in the face. It's like all of this literally could have been preventable if you just suspended Tom Wilson. And it's like, I mean, what do I know uh, about legal matters or officiating in the NHL rather than what I see and what I've, what I've experienced playing college hockey? It's like... <laughs> And the guy who runs the NHL player safety is a guy named George Peros, who was not a very clean player in his own right when he was playing. So it's very strange. He's a very educated guy. He went to Princeton. He's got high marks. He he got uh, uh, degrees in economics and all that fun stuff. But it's like this is a simple decision. You have to you have to take if you're. If your real priority in a player safety department is player safety, then why wasn't this severely fined? He could have done some serious damage punching that guy in the back of the head. And you guys just were like, all right, $5,000. To somebody like Tom Wilson who makes buku bucks in NHL terms, that's nothing to him. And then you're going to go around and somebody's going to badmouth you and you're going to find them 50 times the amount that you just find that guy for punch, literally punching a guy in the back of the head. Are you out of your mind? Where's your decision making? And just to take it one step further, like if you care about player safety, 
you know that if you come out with a decision like this, if you come out with like the Astros where they had basically no penalties for their uh, transgressions, yeah, you're going to get teams taking things into mm-hmm. their own hands, which is exactly what we saw. Yeah. Cause I actually saw the video of that fight yeah. and I mean, you talk about player safety. I mean, I know that fights happen in hockey. Yeah. Like if you, but players could have been hurt. In it's that something, fight, it's something, direct... it's something different. If we're face to face and we fight like that, if you're on the ground and I punch you in the head, like the, where, where's, oh, I mean, yeah. where, yeah, where is the, at least basic thought here? Where is the, where's the man? Where is that? like the, it's like common sense. Where is that thought process? I mean, it's, it's like boarding. It, it's like a similar situation where like somebody is a certain distance from the wall yeah. and you hit them. And then obviously they hit their head into the glass. Like that's, it's, it's know, a, fr- it's well, yeah, that's, a, but I wouldn't be as animated as I am today. If they hadn't just turned around and slapped the Rangers in the face. So the Rangers, right. and this is what makes me so partially because I'm defending the Rangers and I hate the Rangers, but it's like, you know, <laughs> it, it makes you look like you're soft. You're soft mentally. You can't take any criticism. You got to find the other, the team a ton of money. Because they, they questioned your decision making. It's just crazy. I, I just and for the and for the NHL to take another blemish like this, it it really hurts. It really hurts. Because I'm a huge fan of the NHL, obviously, and to see this happen and to see like, it's almost like, it's almost like validating. Like, I can do whatever I want. And I'll just pay the fine. That's what it says to me. A player could punch somebody, one of our players in the back of the head. And they pay the fine. That's it. So just there needs to be more consistency. And it does extend more. It does extend past the NHL. It extends to the NFL, who has been inconsistent with their fining. And the, and the MLB needs to take a more, a, a more strict approach about finding things out. Yeah, I mean, basically the way that the NFL handles it is somebody wears weird cleats and Roger Goodell sends him a letter. <laughs> and that's, Isn't that crazy? That's that. I mean, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, like, it's just cleats, my guy. But I do get your point, and I, I think that uh, it's a good one that leagues kind of need to stand on the side of player protection, and if they're about it, they have to be exactly. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Definitely a scary situation. And I mean, I can empathize with that just from just being a guy who likes sports. Like, I know, you know, just like in hockey and like football and basketball, like fights happen. Like, you know, guys are going to just do something they're not supposed to be doing. And sometimes you might get checked for it um, or you might get dealt with. But I mean, like if sports like basketball and football are doing away with it because fans and or players have the chance to get hurt which has actually happened and obviously very you could say very isolated instance compared to the amount of fights that happened but some people have been seriously hurt and it's just 
yeah, if you're going to treat somebody who didn't physically harm someone, and I mean, you can even argue if they even verbally harm someone a lot more than someone who could have, I mean, maybe not killed them, but you could have like concussed them or you could have done anything to them. And, you know, it's just, yeah, you can't just let that stuff go lightly punished because then where's the incentive for guys to behave? So with that being said, uh, we'll get into some NFL draft talk. Just to recap everything we've pretty much been preparing for for the past, say, two or three months or so. So, Nick, I'm going to pose the first question to you. What was your favorite pick of – let's just limit it to the first round. Or if you have – what was your favorite pick of the entire draft? Well, I, I kind of have two. Like, And one is the obvious, stupid, like – dumb answer and that's trevor lawrence the jaguars i think that he is as advertised but i feel like that is so uh publicized and everybody already knows that um so sharif the one that i think is like the the best pick especially for where they were at i think that's justin fields man i think that justin fields falling down to chicago um i mean justin fields we've talked about him uh, previously on the show and when I tell you that Justin Fields was right there with Trevor Lawrence as recruits going into college, throughout college, through the whole process, he was always there, either 1A, 1B. It was always those two. And, you know, then teams kind of got excited about Zach Wilson and his arm talent and Trey Lance and his mobility. And I get all that. Like, those guys are good. They're good prospects. But Justin Fields falling to Chicago really presents an opportunity for them to get a franchise changing quarterback. And I mean, they haven't had a quarterback of that caliber and hear me out when I say this since Jay Culler. And I'm saying Jay Culler in terms of talent, not in terms of what he actually put onto the field because right. Jay Culler got to a point where he just didn't care about football anymore. And he was just collecting a paycheck, but <laughs> he was actually a talented quarterback. So Justin Fields is that guy. He's that good of a prospect. And I think that's a huge win for Chicago. Brian, what about you? What was your favorite pick of this draft? Hmm. There's a couple. I, I don't want to. I don't want to agree because my mine is actually Justin Fields, but I don't want to do that because Nick Nick already <laughs> beat that dead horse. Uh, I think I have to think it's going to be uh, Carolina. I I really like the JC Horn. I really I really like him. I wish the Eagles would have gotten him. I like dude. JC JC Horn would have been like would have been a nice like pairing with Darius Slay, but he's going to go to a great system in Carolina. Matt Rule lo- Matt Rule loves his defense, loves it, loved it at Temple. <laughs> Not so much at Baylor, but you know you can only get so much with Baylor. Uh, but I'm ex- you know. I'm excited for JC Horn. He's a big physical cornerback, and those usually tend to f- fare very well. Yeah, I gotta say, my favorite pick of the entire draft. Okay, I have two. And beware, because there's gonna be some homerism coming over the airwaves, <laughs> no, but man. just just yeah, stick let's with see. me. Let's hear it. Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater being picked by the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, just from the standpoint of Rashawn Slater, there were some 
you know, draft analysts and media outlets that actually had Rashawn Slater as the higher rate, the highest rated offensive tackle compared to Panay Sewell, who pretty much most, I would say the majority had as the best tackle, offensive tackle in this draft. And Rashawn Slater was right there. Uh, you know, it was either 1-2 or 2-1, or I guess you could say 1-A and 1-B. But obviously Rashawn Slater, you could say, is just more pro-ready. But the thing with Panay Sewell is that he's just going off raw ability and just wait to see what happens when he gets the technique down and all that stuff. So obviously this is just big across the board because the Chargers have pretty much done a complete uh, offensive line overhaul to protect uh, Justin Herbert and make sure we can get Austin Eckler through an entire season. So I love that pick. The other pick that I loved was Atlanta taking Kyle Pitts, uh, the tight end out of uh, Florida. Now, I know some people really why I liked it is because I think the whole talk of them taking a quarterback would have just been premature one because you weren't getting a quarterback that was like the only quarterback I could say that would be worth taking to replace Matt Ryan would have been like Trevor Lawrence and you're not getting Trevor Lawrence. So you might as, and I mean, Matt Ryan, I think he's obviously closer to the end than the beginning because he's 35, I believe. But he's still got good football in him. It's just the team is terrible because they can't play any defense and haven't been able to in three or four years at least. So it's good that now and then hopefully – I mean, even if Atlanta doesn't hold on to Julio Jones, which would sadden me if they didn't, but I can understand because of the cap implications, Kyle Pitts and possibly Hayden Hurst – you know, flanking the offensive line. I mean, that's just going to be an incredible offense to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, with your Rashawn Slater pick, that might be one of my t- top ones too. And, and I can see the comparisons between the two, uh, between Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Uh, they're both very good in their different aspects. And I'm going to say, if you're going based mm-hmm. off of where they went to college, uh, Pene Sewell going to going to Oregon where they run that spread offense where they ask a lot of movement out of their offensive linemen is going to be nice because at least you know he's athletic enough to get out out somewhere. But also Rashawn Slater going to the Big Ten conference facing some more elite defenses than the Pac-12, uh, which says a lot for me. And I, I you know I usually am a guy that like looks at where they go to college. I like SEC offensive players. I, I like you know Big Ten uh, defensive players who can make a who make an impact. And you know Rashawn Slater to me, I would give him the edge just because he's seen a more experienced set of defenses or uh, defenses. Yeah, so I like that Rashawn Slater pick. So. Brian, let me ask you before I kick it back <laughs> sure. to Nick. Um, so I asked you what the pick you liked the most. What was the worst pick of this draft for you? If you have. One. I think it's the Giants taking taking Tooney. Tooney, Tony, Tooney, whatever his name is. Uh, Tony, Tony, sorry. Tony, yeah, you'll fit it right in. No, uh. Hey, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play right in with New York. 
Um, no, I, I think the I, I think the Giants jumped the gun at a position that, that they really didn't really need a lot of help in. Uh, I expected them to go more defense, and I just read something that uh, the Colts were super surprised that the Giants didn't take Quiddy Pay there. Like, mm-hmm. why you already you already got a. Uh, uh, Galloway there. Galloway? Galladay, sorry. But Kenny, Kenny Galladay. You already got Kenny Galladay. I'm pretty sure Sterling Shepard, who can still who can still have some wheels, can move. You know? Darius Slayton, Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram. You got all these wide receivers. Why? <laughs> Why? Like, yeah. it was cool. Like, like. I thought it was a good move for them to move back, especially when they realized that they weren't going to get Devontae Smith. I was like, all right, they go, they move back. They grab some defensemen. Sucks for being an Eagles fan, but it's actually a good move. <laughs> and then they just go and they go and just giants it up, man. They just fumbled you know, it. They fumbled it. I, it, I really agree that Tony was a, a puzzling pick and I, you know, in all of the research that I've done, basically, you know, Sharif, we've talked a lot before about, you know, the different um, styles of scouting. And, you know, there's the analytics people, there's the film, pe- film people. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony is an awful, awful, awful uh, <laughs> analytic profile. Like, he's, he's really bad. And there were guys who had better profiles who went later, like Elijah Moore or Rondale Moore, who basically do the same general thing as Kadarius Tony, but they have better profiles. So I think that those guys would have been better fits. And I agree with Brian. I think that it was a, a bit of a puzzling pick. It was too much. Um, it was too much Sharif, of a reach. Is that- it was too much. Like you could have gotten him in the second round. Like I had no idea that he was going to get picked over Elijah Moore. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. Um, Shreve, is that the same question that you were going to pose to me? Yeah. So what was the – I had a feeling it was probably Kadarius Tony, but did you have another pick where it was, like, very puzzling? Yes. And it's not because I think that the player picked was bad, but because there are so many factors that go into this. And I, I think that that is the Jaguars selecting Clemson's Travis Etienne yeah. because – Typically, when you're drafting a running back in the first round, that means that your team is right there. You know, you know that your team is ready to compete right now. And the Jaguars are not there. You don't know exactly what Trevor Lawrence is going to look like this year. Obviously, you know, you want to um, surround them with as much talent as you possibly can. But I'm also looking at the Jaguars and I'm like, guys, you just had James Robinson produce a 1400 yard from scrimmage mm-hmm. season. And I understand he's not a, he's not like a, a guy who's connected to draft capital. He's an undrafted free agent and maybe urban Myers looking at this team and he wants to put his stamp on it. He wants his guys. And maybe that's why he wants a Travis ETN, but it wasn't a position of need. You know, they, they short up with uh, Carlos Hyde, who is, you know, obviously at this point in his career, kind of a journeyman, um, but he can still be productive enough, at least as a backup to James Robinson. And I don't know. I just felt like it was addressing something that didn't make sense 
right now. And I think that Travis Etienne is a great player. I think he's worthy of a first round pick. But to the Jaguars, I, don't I mean, know. you and I—the one I'm, thing I'll say that oh, makes sorry, sense. Sorry. I mean, you and I, you and oh, I okay. talked about the running backs before, even on this podcast, about where you ranked running backs, and you had him over my guy Najee Harris. Yeah, I mean, Travis Etienne is—you know—he's been my guy for a long time. I think he's he great. Has. I just don't think that it made sense for them. The one thing that I did like about it for the Jaguars, and it's the one lone thing. It's that Trevor Lawrence loved those little screen passes to the running back, which was always Travis Etienne. And those are going to be helpful for getting him comfortable. So in that regard, I like it. But overall, it's a little bit weird. And, you know, I like to think of myself as the numbers guy. But, like, there's one thing that I can't, like, really quantify. And it's, like, that's that connection, I guess, they had they would have had at school. Maybe that's something that they're trying to tap into. Because the way I yeah. see it, and I thought about it today, is like it was kind of smart in terms of like if you get to the point where you trust Trevor Lawrence to make audibles at the line or anything like that, he'll know what to do with Travis Etienne. You know what I mean? He'll be like, yeah. I know what makes you run better, so we'll do that. And that's that's kind of a good thing to say. But I can't quantify that, so – it kind of just made my head spin a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, when I look at this draft, and I know pretty much most people only really pay attention to the first round, I got to say, one of the picks I was really puzzling, and it actually gets more puzzling the more I think about it, was the Texans taking Davis Mills uh, in the third round. Like, I get why they felt like they needed to do it because right now your only quarterback you're sure is going to be there at the start of the season hell start of OTAs training camp because we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson with his you know legal troubles you have Tyrod Taylor but like Davis Mills I think the only thing is when you take someone like Davis Mills in the third round you're basically wasting a third round pick that could go to and I'm going to go full Brian here (laughs) Could have went to offensive line or defensive line because the, the Texans have a lot more holes yeah. than they could really fill in this draft, which ironically, they only had five picks and none were higher than third round pick for a team as terrible as they are because of, you know, Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Obviously, he also, you know, won a lot of games with the team, but, you know, just terrible GM. Absolute, pa- just absolute power. What is it? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. <laughs> And that's kind of what happened to him. But, like, you're probably going to be in the running for the number one overall pick next year, especially if Deshaun Watson <laughs> is not there. And even if he was there, you're probably still going to be a bad team. So, like, I would have just taken, you know, just take offensive linemen. You could have taken any position, really, because they, they have to f- – you can't just sign 50 guys to one-year contracts and expect to be a good team. Like, it's just not going to happen. So – it was just puzzling that they decided to go quarterback when they're probably going to get the number one overall pick next year, whether Deshaun Watson is there or not. And then you could just, if it's still a question of Deshaun Watson is going to play, then just take like, you know, our guy Trevor Bowden talks about like Spencer Rattler or one of the top quarterbacks for next year's draft. It just didn't make sense taking Davis Mills right now. You know, I thought that that pick was actually pretty interesting because it was the first time where the Texans have shown their hand even a little bit and given 
any kind of indication that there is the doubt as far as Deshaun Watson's future. You know, that's the way that I took it because now they're obviously looking at their team and whether it's because Deshaun Watson refuses to play for them or because of his legal issues, they're kind of finally like, man, we really have to prepare for life without Deshaun Watson. And it seemed like this was the very first time that they let us know that they were thinking about it. Well, it's always got to be in the back of their minds, especially now looking at how he's stuck in this situation. Definitely. All right. So one last thing for our draft talk uh, before we move on to Brian's favorite topic of all time, which is Aaron. You Rogers. always say that, but Guys, it, I think it's Nick's. I think it's Nick's favorite topic. Nick I mean, loves. I think I you both share. Nick loves I think Aaron Rodgers, man. But Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Nick and I um, were disagreeing even when he was doing Jeopardy. He thought he was doing a good job. Yeah, I was snoozing to sleep, man. Oh, sorry, we'll get there. <laughs> um, so guys, it's time to grade. You know, just for some of our hometown listeners, it's time to grade the Eagles. 2021 draft class. Um, I think last time I started with Brian. So Nick, why don't you tell me what did you think about the Eagles draft class overall? And I'm going to take everything into consideration here. I really liked what Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles did. And I want to start off by talking about the decision to trade back from six to 12, which got us another uh, first round pick in 2022. And then the decision to trade up, to uh, from 12 to nine to get Devonta Smith. And that only took a third round pick. So in the process, we basically upgraded from a third round pick to a first round pick in 2022. Now Devonta Smith, admittedly, you know, we've talked about him. He is not my guy. I was a big Jamar chase fan, Kyle Pitts. And when we were at six, my hope was that the Bengals would be choosing uh Panay Sewell. So I thought the Jamar Chase was going to be an option for us. So I was upset about moving back. Um, having looked at the draft with the benefit of hindsight and seeing that Pitts and Chase both went off four and five and that neither were there for us at six, couldn't be more thrilled. I, I am absolutely ecstatic that we made that move back. Um, and getting another first round pick is obviously icing on the cake. <laughs> Um, now, the picks that followed, I thought they were good. Uh, Landon Dickerson is a little bit of a question mark. He would have been a first-round pick in basically any other draft if he didn't have any all of the injury concerns. Yeah. Because, I mean, he has had literally four season-ending injuries in the past four years. So that's kind of a damning thing on his profile. But the talent is unquestionable. And the idea is that he'll probably play guard for right now. And then when Jason Kelsey uh, finally calls it quits, he'll make the move to center. And if you look at what we have at offensive line and they actually all stay healthy, which is the huge if, because they all have injuries in their history, <laughs> the Eagles probably have one of the top offensive lines again in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's something to look forward to. And then moving into the third round, and I don't want to get too, too far after that, except for one player. Um, <laughs> We had we uh, we put we picked a guy on the defensive line, I believe, an edge rusher. 
could be wrong on that. I, I don't remember his name. He's <laughs> Milt compared. Milt Williams. Milt the Williams. one that caused that weird, awkward exchange between Howie and one of our head scouts. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh that. my god. What a so, turd! What a turd that to, guy is. Like jump the gun on anything and to create a ridiculous comp, <laughs> but physically, like his physical makeup, he's been compared to Aaron Donald. Now that is unfair. We do not yeah. expect him to be Aaron Donald, right? But it's a nice comp. So uh, I like those guys a lot. And then the last guy who I was really impressed with that we got where we did was Kenneth Gainwell in the absolutely. Yep. Deal. And one thing that we talked about before, whether it was on the fantasy show or just this show, when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Sanders kind of gets talked about as this true three down back. And he does have a three down skill set, but the pass catching abilities were not great last year. Like he, he had <laughs> quite a few drops as a receiver. And that's something that Kenneth Gainwell is going to do really well. And I basically. I think that he's going to end up taking a Boston Scott Lake role where he's more of a change of pace kind of guy, but I see him getting a lot of those receiving opportunities, which is, you know, a huge boost to the offense. Brian, what yeah, about I mean, you? I, what did you think about yeah, I mean, the draft? I'm, I'm going to echo a lot of the points that Nick made. Uh, the huge thing about it is I really like the Kenneth Gainswell signing, signing, but pick, uh, I think, I mean, he's not the kind of wide, the running back that I want, but the kind of running backs that I want are very far and few between uh, big physical runners. But he's going to be a nice pass catcher. He's going to be a nice change of pace when Miles Sanders isn't in there. <sighs> Unfortunately, fantasy-wise, he does push out one of my favorite running backs, which I don't understand why or how he digressed, but Mr. Jordan Howard virtually becomes fantasy- irrelevant at this point unless you have like a 20 toast. unless you have like a 24 person league which i doubt even exists because who had who even has that many friends <laughs> to begin with um yeah but i i like i like picking up you know he's a low he's a low risk high reward you pick some dude up like that in the fifth round he I, i'm pretty sure he set a college football record last year not last year the year before, but I'm pretty sure he was close to it or something like that. But he picked up for like some 1400 rushing yards as a freshman. I mean, how does that not, how does that not interest you at all? Uh, so definitely a lot of potential there. Uh, I thought the Landon Dickinson Dickerson was actually a really good pick. Uh, Hey man, like you can't really do much about the knees, but you, you sure can do something next year if his body, for whatever reason, falls apart. Because you got plenty of picks next year. Uh, so I'm okay with that. And, you know, if you had asked me how I felt the day after Monday, like how I felt about how the draft went, I probably would have given you a low grade. But, like, if we're going by grading-wise, I'd give it a, D, a B plus. Give him a B plus. I, I think he did fine. He took the best available wide receiver at the time. You know, a lot of the people that I wanted to take weren't there. And even if they did take the people that I wanted there in the first round, doesn't matter. The wide receiver I wanted to take wasn't even available in the second round. Bateman. I love Rashad Bateman. I think he's going to be a huge talent in this league. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty okay with how it went. I'm not okay with the exchange between our scout and Howie, but you know, at some point it's going to show. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's one thing we know about the Eagles is that there will always be some type of awkwardness, some type of drama, or someone speaking out of turn. That's just the way the organization is nowadays. I mean, it's actually – it's pretty fascinating, actually. It's – like, you normally don't see this with teams that won the Super Bowl four years ago or three years ago, whatever. Like, it's actually – and I mean, knowing that the dysfunction started well before today. So it was actually pretty interesting. Um, I give them a B for this trade. I mean, I love the Devontae Smith pick. I know some people were – Thinking like obviously when we were watching the draft, uh, we were hoping that the Eagles. Well, you know us just wondering. You know, you know guys that theorized about team building were hoping the Eagles would finally address the linebacker position and draft Michael Parsons. But they went with Devonte Smith, which is not a bad pick. Like obviously, the Eagles have put tons of draft capital into improving you know, their pass catchers, you know, tight end with someone like Dallas Goddard and wide receiver with someone like Jalen Rager. The Eagles have done the most they could do to improve that position. And I mean, they've had a few surprises from guys like Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward. But at the end of the day, you got to have like guys that you invested in start to pan out. And it's not to say like guys like Rager haven't panned out yet. Rager obviously dealt with that um, UCL injury in his thumb and then just, you know, the whole quarterback controversy, Carson Wentz getting benched, Jalen Hurts providing a spark, but still not really being an efficient passer. I mean, it's just hard for this offense to find continuity. But hopefully with like the additions of like Devontae Smith and Kenneth Gainwell, the Eagles, and hopefully the offensive line is at least mostly healthy instead of like four of the five guys going down with season ending injuries. Or someone like Lane Johnson having a nagging and ankle injury, so he's basically 50%, which is basically five out of five linemen not being able to play, um, aside from Jason Kelsey. I give him a big. I think the Eagles did a really good job shoring up the positions they had holes in, you know, along the defensive line. Obviously, they didn't address linebacker, but we've talked about it before. They don't really prioritize that position. It's pretty much D-line and uh, secondary which they addressed in the draft and obviously improved the skill position. So, I mean, I think the Eagles did a good job with this draft. I mean, I, I, I like them to take a cornerback a little earlier than the one of the last rounds, but it is what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, because, I mean, if you wait until the – I mean, it's like you said, you have Darius Slay, and it's just the problem is the other side. Right. But, you know, so, taking one in the fourth round, um, Zach, Zach – is it Zach or Zach? Zach. Is it Trust e, me, it's it's Zach. <laughs> Zach. Okay, Zach. Yeah. Okay, I thought I was, I thought I was reading this wrong. I'm like that guy has to be an A instead of nah. an E. But okay, Zach McPherson. Nah, Hopefully, he pans out. Um, but with our last topic of this show, <laughs> and hopefully everybody saved their energy because it's going to be a doozy. This week, there's been about thirty r- reports about the Green Bay Packers <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers continued family feud. I mean, the latest was former fullback of the Green Bay Packers, John Kuhn coming out and saying that Aaron Rodgers is quote unquote conflicted about his future with the Green Bay Packers. And that follows reports of Brett Favre saying his gut feeling is that Brett's no longer playing. 
And then the Packers are adding QBs for OTAs and minicamp. I mean, it's just wild. And you know what? The, Br- Brian, what do you think about this whole Michigas, as they like to call it? You know, I, for a while, it, I, it seemed like he just said this stuff, like, just to say it. But now I feel like he's probably going to be serious about what he's saying. Um, I think he's, I think he's for real. I think he's for real about to leave. And you know, <laughs> I always joke around with Nick about this stuff, and it always pokes at him. Uh, <laughs> one one year of Aaron Rodgers, uh, I mean Tom Brady being in his conference, and he wants to leave the Green Bay Packers. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty. Oh ironic. my god! <laughs> or coincidental? Oh my god! <laughs> I guarantee you, Tom Brady being there is not the reason that Aaron Rodgers. Wants to leave. I, I mean, whatever you. you say. I mean, I mean, whatever you say. I mean, I, I'm inclined to say that because I don't know any of these guys personally. I don't know if what their feelings are towards each other. I will say that Aaron Rodgers has set up camp in in Tom Brady's shadow. It is what it is. It is what it is, man. <laughs> Somebody, somebody so who finds you immense s- success in the sh- in the conference championship games versus somebody who finds immense failure in the conference championship games. I don't know, man. Doesn't sound great. <laughs> so I just wanted some clarification for Nick. I guess gives us his initial reaction, Brian. When you say like you think Aaron Rodgers is serious, you mean like you think he's serious that he's not playing? Yes. He wants to trade. Like, what do you you serious that you think? He's I not think there's play? some validation to him being upset because they don't take certain guys. But I also think that, it, personally, me, I think. God, I'm gonna sound like such a jerk off, but it's childish. I'm sorry, it's childish. Uh, that wasn't even the worst. No, thing no, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything derogatory or anything like that. I'm just gonna say that. It's childish. What he's doing is... Ass- oh, not even that. It's just you have a potty mouth. What? <laughs> not on the podcast, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. We did have to do a take two because someone couldn't control the potty I mouth. I can hear the song, so I'm sorry. Uh, Fair enough. For me, <laughs> for me, it's this... My, my whole thing is like, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers is serious about leaving. However, it doesn't change the fact that I think it is absolutely childish. I do. I, Nick, I your think Aaron Rodgers is serious about threatening. Like, I want to see, I think that Rodgers' perspective is he wants to see how far he can push this. Because overall, if you look at the landscape of the NFL, where could he possibly go where he's going to have as good a chance to win as he does in Green Bay? Yes. Denver? And <laughs> Denver, Denver has weapons. Denver which is, is not a Which team. is what everybody's crying about for Aaron Rodgers. But you got it. Yeah, but it's, it's a little bit beyond that. Mm. Like, Denver provides the weapons uh, and everything else with Denver. Mm. You know, and what would it take to get Rodgers? Well, they would probably lose 
a weapon or two. So, um, I don't, I, th- I don't think that Denver's a serious like contender if they get Rodgers. And then you think about a team like San Francisco, and yeah, they'd be a great team for Rodgers to land on. Yeah, but he can't go there. No, not like, now. They just drafted Trey. Yeah, not, I would say I would that's say team, not now. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. And, and so basically, San Francisco's off the table, and then the Raiders. Yeah, they're they're just the Raiders. They're their own, uh, their own. They're their own flavor of dysfunction. So, definitely not the Raiders. So, I think that he wants to see how far he can push it. And my understanding is that basically he feels upset that he hasn't had a little bit more pull in the organizational decisions, like we talked about when it came to Deshaun Watson, when all of his uh, requests to be traded uh, came out too. And especially for Rodgers, I kind of get it like i will say there's a couple of things there is an argument that rogers has had no weapons it's a little bit overstated he has had weapons but the team also hasn't done as much as they should have to capitalize on the window that they had with aaron Rodgers. like you think about the draft last year all right first round they draft jordan love Okay, okay. The rumor comes out. They tried to trade up for Brandon Ayuk. They tried to trade up for, um, I believe they also really liked Justin Jefferson. They couldn't get it done. All right, whatever. So they draft Jordan Love. And then <laughs> T. Higgins is still on the board. And he was another guy who could have been a first round pick, and they didn't take him. And then in the second round, they go A.J. Dillon. And I think that A.J. Dillon's a good player. He could be a contributor. He could be a running back one for a team. But the Packers decided, yeah, you know, you could be the running back one, but we will pay Aaron Jones. And maybe that was a move to appeal to Rodgers, but it was a move that probably shouldn't have taken priority. It should, have, should not have taken precedence over ponying up for one of the top receivers. Or, you know, like they could have... Uh, approached Kenny Galladay or something like that. And then Brian, you and I talked about this actually in a heated Twitter exchange, (laughs) uh, guys like Deguara who did nothing. So they had this entire draft class. Yeah. Maybe they're looking at the future. They did nothing. They didn't contribute to them getting to the end to the NFC championship game. And you have to wonder, like if you had some production from a T Higgins or something like that, what could have been different? And I think it's absolutely fair to say that the Packers did not do the most to capitalize on what they had in Aaron Rodgers at this very second. And that's a mistake. Like that is just poor managerial skills. So I think that that's pretty poor. And I'll say this, when you're talking about, you know, what should the Packers do now? Should they, Should they trade Aaron Rodgers? Should they hold him? Should they let him retire? Should he go to Jeopardy? (laughs) No. I mean, (laughs) the Packers should really do everything that they can to hold on to Rodgers. And I'm sorry. I know that, uh, and I I might say this wrong, but Brian Gutekunst, I think that's how it's pronounced. I've been trying all I've been trying all week. I I can't do it. (laughs) I can't pronounce his name. It's a little tricky. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, I think that he's an okay GM, but he has made errors. 
And at the end of the day, like you have this window where you can win right now with Aaron Rodgers. He's coming off an MVP season, for God's sake. Aaron Rodgers should be the quarterback that you are trying to keep right now. You have to keep him. I'm sorry. You have to fire Gutekunst if that's what it's going to come down to. Be, no, you do. Because then you're, you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're saying, we can win a Super Bowl right now, but Aaron, screw you. See ya. But everything that I'm he- everything that I'm hearing is saying that they want to keep him. They literally the owner, the GM, the coach have all flown out to see him and talk to him about a contract extension. This this yeah, notion that this to notion that they 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 want to get rid of him is absolutely wrong. It's wrong. No, no, no. It's that Rogers wants Gutekunst for gone. Well, then he's being then he's being selfish. I'm sorry, he is. Maybe. So let me just let me jump in here real quick. So my whole thing with this situation when it comes to the Packers, you could say versus Aaron Rodgers, is okay, so this basically all started, or at least I would say hit its apex when the Packers traded up to draft Jordan Love, who proceeded to be the number three quarterback behind Tim Boyle last year, who no one really cares about Tim Boyles. I don't even know why I brought him up. But the <laughs> point is, obviously, the reports after the draft were that Aaron Rodgers was upset that he was not you know, given a heads up, which you can say most people agree is what really caused, I guess you could say, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because when you hear that there's stories that the Vikings told Kirk Cousins, who Everybody bags on Kirk Cousins, even though I think he's a good quarterback. Everybody bags on Kirk Cousins. And the Vikings told him before they drafted Kellen Mond. So, obviously, there's a respect. This is pretty much over respect. And now I agree with Brian to a certain degree that this is just more about Aaron. And obviously it should because he's the only person who could defend himself. But it's like what you guys were talking about, specifically you, Nick. There's really nowhere else Aaron Rodgers could go and it would be a better situation. Like, even if, like Brian said, he went to the Broncos, all those weapons they have, they probably have to give them up along with draft picks. So, like, you're in, you're gonna, you're away from the Packers, but you screw yourself for the rest of your career, probably. Unless, obviously, if he's still playing like he did last season when he won the MVP, who knows? He could rise above it. But, you need something, and you would have less of that if you leave. Now, if I'm the Packers, you only have to cater to someone so much, even if it's a franchise quarterback. And granted, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Obviously, in terms of winning accomplishments, you can't really make the argument, but just watching this dude play football for the past 15 years and all the individual accolades he's accumulated, you can, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. And like Brian said, he's pretty much laid a dud in four out of five NFC championship games, which is what makes this all so, you know, uh, polarizing because someone as great as Aaron Rodgers, you could say is not clutch. And there's, there's evidence to back it up as much as I hate to admit that. You, you can only go against the evidence so much. But the point is, at the end of all this, 
basically it's like what Tom Brady did with the pages before he left. It's either me or him. And at this point, Aaron is like, it's either me or Brian Gutekunst. Now, if you're the Packers and you get rid of Gutekunst, you're forever, forever bowing down Aaron Rodgers, which, I mean, I don't even know if that would go well with the players. I'm sure the players support Aaron Rodgers, but if an organization is bowing down to you and they treat every other player like they treat you, I mean, I don't know how that goes in a locker room. And then if you're Aaron, I mean, and like Brian said, I don't think the the narrative is that they don't want Aaron Rodgers. I think the thing is you treat him like he's not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So if you feel that way, which I'm not saying they do, but you're projecting that image. So if you're projecting it, why not just trade him? Just get him if he's such a, you know, and that's like the counter argument. If he's such a problem, he's such a nuisance, such an annoyance, trade him. Get him out of there. You can move on with Jordan Love. That was your plan when you drafted him in the first place and move on. And then this is all over. You don't have to fire Gutekunz. You get what you want, which is, I guess you could say, is not necessarily getting Aaron out of the building. But it's better to have Aaron Rodgers go on and get something for him for him than for him to just say, you know what, I'm going to call it quits and you get nothing for him. So kind of like Nick said, I think if you're the Packers at this point, please don't cut off your nose to spite your face. We've seen teams do that time after time. And obviously owners and teams are going to get passes for doing stuff like that just because that's just how most people are. But it's just not a good look either way. Oh, can't hear Nick. Oh, Nick got booted out of Zencaster. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, while we're working on those technical yeah. difficulties, Brian, what is what is your reaction to what I just said, I guess, while we get Nick booted well, up? I mean, it's funny because I see a lot of parallels about young quarterbacks that are happening now. And, you know, I I, I feel like I feel like I did a lot of damage uh not not damage to him, but I mean, just like for Deshaun Watson and his situation where he was threatening to sit out because he didn't have say in the new coach or the new GM or anything like that. In that situation, if that is Aaron Rodgers, I probably give Aaron Rodgers a little more cachet in terms of having say in the organization because he has been in the organization for a long time. He is an established quarterback, and I've recognized his talent. I think his talent is is almost on another level than any other quarterback we've ever seen. Right. However, you are not a front office person. You are a quarterback. <laughs> it's 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 a different it's a different ball game. You know, if he wants to have his input on the draft, then that's fine. But he understands he has to understand that this is the same this is the same cultural organization that brought him in three years before they decided to move on from Brett Favre. I mean, how did Brett Favre feel about them bringing in Aaron Rodgers? They had him sit. They it. had him sit behind Aaron, Brett Favre for years, and just because it does, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, the guy's what thirty-seven years old now. Like, did they not expect to have him move on? And especially if they get rid of that GM. 
almost at the request for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers made that public statement, but at that request, I agree with you, Shreve. They're almost at the mercy of Aaron Rodgers at that point. Cause it's like, if he can get, if he can get his boss fired, cause that's what GM is. The GM is his boss. If he can get his boss fired, like where does the line stop? Can he get the owner fired? Can he get the president of football operations fired? Well, I think the Packers are majority owned by the community, so he'd have to like set a torch to the entire fire the community. <laughs> he'd have to pick up pack. He'd have yeah, to the- pick up Lambeau Field and put it somewhere else. <laughs> he'd have to buy all the stocks in Green Bay, become the majority <laughs> stockholder, forfeit his career as an NFL quarterback, and then he could actually kick at that point out. But then, but I mean, at that point, and it's going to be an exaggerated <laughs> thing where it's like it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, part-time owner, part-time GM, part-time coach, full-time quarterback. That's what it's going to be like <laughs> to me, and that's where I no, that's de- why I worry. It's like, oh, no. especially it'd be something if it's like he should carry the same weight as Brett Favre did when he had a say, and Brett Favre left. And there's no doubt that Aaron Rodgers might leave, might leave. It might be a bad culture where in terms of like they bring in the replacement and then this pisses off the quarterback. But you to, you have to realize that it is just a quarterback. Like he's not the owner. He's not the GM of the team. Right. Um, looks like we're still having technical difficulties with Nick. Um, but we are running short on time. Is there a way we can get uh, Nick back in? I guess not. Um, well, we're actually working on that. But, I mean, we're basically, at the end of the podcast, just hopefully we're able to end it. But I guess those who are listening to us will find out once we actually upload this <laughs> on Spotify. So, I guess in in closing, yeah, I this is definitely a situation that, I mean, I don't even think it really started with Jordan Love. Um, I just think that was the last thing this organization did. Because, I mean, Brian, you talk about him possibly getting Gutekunst fired. If you remember, it really it – be, it came to a pass with Mike McCarthy. It was either Aaron Rodgers or Mike McCarthy, and Aaron Rodgers won that power struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I mean – and obviously Ted Thompson was the GM during most of Aaron Rodgers' – and uh, Mike McCarthy's tenure with the Packers. And then it was pretty much a whole regime change. So Aaron Rodgers had got the power back until, I guess, what was that, 2019, when they played the 49ers NFC Championship game and Raheem Mostert ran for like 600 yards. Yeah. Um, and then they took Jordan Love, and then it kind of all, you know, it's been an ever-changing, everlasting power struggle. And now we'll see if the Packers go down the same road and get rid of another decision maker. Um, Because I feel like if you get rid of Gutekunst, then that possibly means Matt LaFleur would have to get fired because that's kind of what they did, you know, in reverse when they got rid of McCarthy. They got rid of the guy who hired him, which was Ted Thompson. So I guess we'll see what goes with that. Um, Unfortunately, we are having technical difficulties with Nick, but we're going to have to end the podcast at some point. Um, But... Uh, Brian, before we go, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, not too much. Uh, just 
I'm trying to keep watching, but I'm more. Into, I feel like I'm more into baseball this year, which is a strange thing. But maybe I mean it's not strange. But I mean, like I'm playing the video game. I'm watching it on TV more religiously. It's it's a bit of a strange year. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, when the pandemic first happened, and we didn't have obviously football was out of season, and basketball had its suspension. I mean, I got into baseball. It was actually pretty fun. It's just playing, you know, NBA. Uh, I'm sorry, MLB DFS is a little crazy because <laughs> a guy can end up with zero yeah. points because he strikes, he doesn't hit a ball, or he ends up with fifty when he hits a crazy like grand slam. So, pretty interesting. I mean, um, Brian. I guess the last thing I have to say is, oh, I, I mean, ahead, Brian, sorry. I, I've done, I've done the different sports for fantasy fo- for fantasy sports, uh, mostly hockey. And let me tell you. That is one of the most crazy, one of the craziest experiences because you have to set a lineup almost every day, and that annoyed mm-hmm. the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate setting a lineup every single day. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty. I mean, I and I mean, you could tell I'm pretty much a junkie when it comes to this stuff because. I have a reminder set in my calendar or like I set a reminder every day to let me know 20 minutes before a contest closes so that I can set my lineup. And yeah, basketball, it's every day. Baseball, it's every day. Hockey is obviously every day. The only sport, other major sport that we play is football. And that's only once a week. You would have to theoretically set a lineup unless you play like, you know, single games or Thursday night, you know, stuff like that, along with our regular Fantasy football right. lineups, it's you know pretty crazy. Um, but that does it for us for the full contact podcast for today. But you're not getting rid of this that, e- that easy because we will be back next week for Brian Clegg, <laughs> Nick Sapina, uh, Sharif Phillips, Keaton. Whoa, we'll see whoa, all of whoa. you guys and girls next they gotta, time. They got to follow whoa, us on whoa. Twitter, man, at Full Contact Pod. Oh, sorry, Brian. You're, yeah, exactly. I know Nick's sorry, not Brian. here to do the plug, yes. but I'll do it. Yo, you gotta follow. You gotta follow <laughs> us on Twitter. We're at Full Contact Pod. We also have, I know, because Nick runs that. Nick runs the main Twitter account, and I run the Philly division. So it's unfortunately due to unfortunate, uh, uh, what is it, at names that were taken. It's uh it's Philly full. So I couldn't get the. I couldn't get the whole name, but it's Philly, it's at Philly Fool on Twitter, and it's also at Full Contact Podcast. We uh we go back and forth regularly on Twitter. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, thank you for that uh, shameless plug, as Nick likes to call it, Brian. And we appreciate all of you guys engaging us on our social media platforms as well as listening to our podcast. Just know it won't be free for long. I'm just kidding. I don't really know when we're going to charge, but we'll let you know. Um, But until next time, everybody, stay safe. Enjoy your sports. I All thought right. Nick can't talk, but I thought he could at least end the podcast because he said he could still see himself. But I don't think he can because <laughs> he just tried to play the theme music and it's not. We don't hear it. What the hell? Oh, he's back oh, in. Oh no. <laughs>